AI war has only just begun, but who will reign supreme? Sci-fi has long hinted at the possibility of AGI, a force so powerful that it may actually be humanity's downfall. But which big tech giant will get there first? Currently, as it stands, OpenAI alongside Microsoft are in the lead, with Google in close second. Unfortunately, this is a problem. Google aren't used to being second best. For over 20 years, Google have dominated the search engine market and have been at the forefront of AI research. The pressure for Google to overthrow OpenAI from that top spot initiated an internal code red at the start of 2023. Their response? The ChatGPT killer, Gemini. Gemini is our largest and most capable model. It means that Gemini can understand the world around us in the way that we do. So not just text, but also code, audio, image, and video. But its demo didn't go quite according to plan. And Google were heavily criticized for faking the model's capability by marketing an experience similar to Tony Stark's Jarvis. Wake up, daddy Sean. Welcome home, sir. Are Google panicking, or was this a strategic play to buy themselves more time to take that kill shot? I'm joined with Dr. Harvey Castro, a ChatGPT expert and author, to discuss what has been going on. Please make sure you subscribe to the channel, and I hope you enjoy. Google have recently released Gemini Ultra, and it's caused quite a stir. Initially, everyone was very excited, myself included, when they first watched the demo video. And at the time, everyone, including me, had thought Google had leapfrogged OpenAI. And I... I posted on LinkedIn how excited I was and you were quick to call me out and say actually <laughs> what are your thoughts on this Gemini demo video being fake and the reason I wanted to have this discussion with you specifically is because you are a leader when it comes to ChatGPT you've written multiple books around ChatGPT in healthcare and you were at the forefront back when ChatGPT wasn't mainstream talking about its application in healthcare and so it'd be interesting to get your perspective as someone that's always championed OpenAI and ChatGPT to talk a little bit about Google's Gemini model and so this is a really loaded question to begin with so Initially, what are your thoughts? Is this fake or a genuine marketing tactic? You know, unfortunately, I took it as both. I took it as them faking it to the point to make the marketing so good. You and I both got fooled and most of the world got fooled. In fact, it spiked Google's stock after that conference came out and it did well. And in fact, I was almost wanting to bet against it because I thought, oh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to crash. And it really didn't crash. If anything, I feel like it dipped a little and now it's starting to go back up again. And you specifically use the word fake. You, and a lot of people have used the word fake, but I would disagree. I don't think it's fake. I think it's inauthentic. And I think there's a difference there. And when I say inauthentic, I'll give you an example. So it, part of the video segment in the demo, there was the, the segment of the guy playing rock, paper, scissors. And we were led to believe oh, the person's doing the gestures and they asked Gemini, what am I doing? He goes rock, paper, scissors. And then I was like, oh my gosh, wow. Just from that, Gemini can understand the context that he's playing a game which is rock, paper, scissors. But what actually happened was that Google fed an image of the, the hand gesture scissors, a separate image of the hand gesture rock, and a separate image of the hand gesture paper. And then put all those images together in context and said, what am I doing? And then said in brackets, hint, it's a game. And that bit there, I went from such excitement around, wow, like, oh my gosh, they have finally cracked this, to then being actually, they're trying to pull, pull the wool over our eyes there. Yeah. Everyone thought that Google had cracked this instant live video feed response. It almost felt like Tony Stark was talking to <laughs> Jarvis, right? Yeah. Um, and considering the fact that there was a lot of hype around this being a chat GPT killer, but they're having to hint 
to the in the prompt that's a game it shows that this model is actually pretty much in its infancy stages still and we talk about ai and llms being in its infancy stage and with chat gpt almost uh, chat gpt3 almost being someone like a baby learning to crawl and then four taking its first steps it seems like that gemini hasn't taken its first steps yet it's still holding on to its parents hand but i want to be fair to google because I want to question whether we're missing an overall macro point here, which is, do you think credit should be given to Google that they've essentially caught up to the capabilities of GPT-4, which many were saying was seemingly a very difficult task given the lack of improvement that we saw in BARD? Okay, well, I'm going to challenge you in what one of the comments you just said. I don't think they're caught up to ChatGPT 4. I think they're caught up to ChatGPT 3.5, and I know that seems kind of technical-ish. Gemini's on, on paper sounds really good. It's bigger than ChatGPT 4. It has more data. You and I know Google owns all the data in the world because they're getting Googled every day. I say it's got a good framework for a good house because it's got the bones of a good house. It's got the money. It's got the leadership. It's got deep mind that they purchase. And I want you to hold that thought because I still want to keep the segment to be fair to Google. But I have a couple points around the benchmarks and what is better, Gemini or GPT. I think what a lot of people got upset about was the fact that this was somewhat of a marketing video, as I said, that was pulling the wool over people's eyes. But I want to challenge this. And I think maybe we're nitpicking a little bit. Should we move past that this is a demo? It's not a live video. It's a demo. And okay, there's a bit of editing here and there. And that's just to make it more engaging, to increase retention, and it overall just make the experience better. And should we just take a step back and actually just applaud Gemini? I see your point. No, I do think compared to when ChatGPT4 came out and everybody heard of the red code by Google saying, hey, critical issue, ChatGPT4 came and their stock dropped and they had to do something and that something was barred. And unfortunately, they released it too early and people were like, this is really bad. Like, why did they release this? But they had to say they had something on the line that they were like, hey, here we go, guys. Look, we have barred. This will compete with ChatGPT4. Uh, and it didn't come close. No, just to add to that, actually, that ended up costing Google, I think, $100 billion full in stock. Mm-hmm. The live demo of Bard that just didn't go well at all. Yeah. It was a bit of a flop, actually. It embarrassed Google quite a bit. Yeah. And to your point, I call it the AI wars because the very next day, what did ChatGPT or Microsoft do? They they came out and said, oh, we have Bing. And they started saying, we're actually powering Bing with ChatGPT. So I, I call it the fun AI wars. Uh, at the end of the day, I feel as a doctor, this is going to help my patients out because long term is going to keep the prices down and it's going to give us more capability to do stuff that we couldn't do years ago. Yeah. I think in healthcare, marketing can sometimes be seen as a negative connotation. It sometimes has negative connotations to sell yourself, to upsell yourself, to show off. Especially here in the UK, we're a bit more modest. I don't know about you across the pond where Americans do seem to be a bit more vibrant and putting themselves out there. But in the UK, health professionals do like to be modest. But what I'm getting at is it's not uncommon in other industries and for companies to showcase their products through editing pre-recording demos Mm -hmm. and to remove any technical hiccups i mean the gaming industry is a perfect example where a new let's say a new call of duty game comes out and there's some aspects of actual gameplay footage in the trailer but a lot of the b-roll a lot of the footage it says not actual gameplay footage it's generated on let's say i don't know unreal engine and it, it would actually be in the actual game that 
people will purchase. And so it's been happening in the gaming industry for a while. So why is this any different? No, this is well said. And, and, and I'll give you this point because if you're running a multi-million or multi-billion dollar company and you're not going to leave things to chance, you don't want to be embarrassed. You want to record it and, and edit it and make sure that it doesn't say something because that's one of the things I, I believe Bard, when Bard came out, I believe they did a live demo. They actually asked a question that Bard got wrong and everybody in the media was like, look, this is still giving bad information. Had they pre-recorded that video and then showed that as a demo, but just showed, hey, it was videoed, and then they knew what the output was, that would have been better for them. Because again, millions of dollars or billions of dollars are at stake. So I get it. Do you think Google is insecure? And they were feeling the pressure of the fact that there was a lot of expectations. The expectations were super, super high. And Google, as you said, were in a very tricky position. There was code red, as you said, that they have to catch up to GPT and it's hard to compete with OpenAI because they are a small, nimble, dedicated company. So just to come full circle, do you think Google are feeling the pressure? Maybe rushed into this decision of releasing this video? Oh my gosh, yes. Google has known that through DeepMind that this kind of technology exists. And for those that don't know this, Google technically invented generative AI. They were the first papers out there that came up with this. Just the difference is that ChatGPT was able to put it in your hands. And that's why it took off so fast. Had Google done this just a couple of months prior, everybody would have been like, oh, it's Google. But the fact that OpenAI released it first really gave them that first mover advantage, even though technically Google had it. And so was the pressure there? Yeah, here's a tiny company out of nowhere challenging Google to the point where we have to release a red code within internal affairs. And people are like, how did this, you let this happen? The other parts of the story is that OpenAI had some advantages in the sense that Two things. One, they had Microsoft. They had a couple billion dollars in their side. <laughs> That's nice to have. The other thing is, I'm going to challenge you, in fact, to think about this statement. If ChatGPT has the equivalent IQ of 155, if you were the owner of ChatGPT, if you were the CEO or the head board, wouldn't you bring that into the board meeting and, and in fact, take all the filters off and, in fact, use stuff that you and I don't even have access? Maybe they have access to ChatGPT 5. And then have that part of the conversation, have it part of your marketing plan, have it part of pr predicting what's going to happen. So that way you're always ahead. One other conspiracy, if you're going to meet with the U.S. Congress, wouldn't you ask ChatGPT to tell you all the questions, all the things that they're going to ask? That way when you're asked those questions, you can make it look natural. You can hit a home run every time because you've already been prepped. So I'm going to just leave you with that seed because I really think that's what happened. No, that is a very fantastic, interesting point. It just seems like maybe GPT-5 was a better advisor than whatever the model is after Gemini Ultra for <laughs> Google. And it, it, yeah, it seems like Google have been paying a big game of catch up. And I think they wanted to do something bold to yeah. get people talking. And it's just unfortunate that it did backfire. And you spoke a little bit about the comparison with the performance between Gemini and GPT. And Google is claiming through the independent studies, I must say, the, the ones that have been published by specifically Google, that Gemini is more powerful than GPT-4. And they're clinging on to a very small, minute advantage. And they've, they've done this comparing several benchmarks. And I want to read a couple out. So one of the most noticeable ones is the text processing power and the general capabilities. And they said that Gemini Ultra had an impressive score of 90% that beat ChatGPT-4 with 86.4% in a five-shot prompting setting. So what's your opinion on that? What's your thoughts? 
To me, I would, I, I wasn't in the study. I'd like to repeat the study. I think there's always a variance. Say if it was 3% either way, then it could be a tie or it could be looked the other way. The other thing is apples and oranges. Did they use ChatGPT4 or were they really using 3.5? Or, you know, we're in that, I, I'm, you know, I'm going to defend ChatGPT. You know, we're in that winter. I don't know if you've heard of this, where people are saying the December yeah. month of it's output depressed. is depressed. So who's to yeah. say that it wasn't depressed at this time? And the other thing, it's all about prompt engineering. If I don't put the best prompt or if I ask it a certain way and I know Google is strong in a certain way, then I use their prompts over uh, OpenAI's prompts, just a little wording here and there, and it, it'll make a difference. Then the last thing I want to say is it's all about GPU power. The reason we're even playing with ChatGPT today and we couldn't do it five years ago is it, it would cost way too much. It, it already costs way too much today, but we're able to get away with it just because the GPUs are stronger. So. Who's to say that OpenAI, their servers weren't down to some degree where it's just overloaded and then you're using Google with they're putting 100% output into those GPUs and computers and then they're using just regular, say you're out in Europe using those servers that are here in the United States, there's going to be a lag. So then I'm just like, I, I, I don't know about that one. I, I think it's, unless it was just dramatic 20% difference, I'm like, oh yeah, they got them beat. But with so close, I have a hard time saying, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll buy that stock over OpenAI. Yeah, it's intriguing. If anyone listening who's just heard Harvey say, wait, they're probably thinking, wait, did you just say ChatGPT is depressed? Maybe you could uh, go into that <laughs> a little bit in more detail. <laughs> yeah, so this was interesting. So, again, this is all new science to you, to me. And when I first read this, I thought it was bogus myself. And what they're saying is ChatGPT is looking at the month and saying, okay, we're, on this, we're in the month of December. And everybody in the world is relaxing in December. The theory holds that ChatGPT's output is depressed. It's not doing as good. And in fact, someone actually studied it. They took ChatGPT and said, hey, it's not the month of December, and asked it the same question. It's actually the month of May, and then looked at what it uh, the output of ChatGPT and then said, okay, no, it's the month of December, and did the same question. And the outputs were totally different, where the May output was way better. That's what that whole depression thing that we just talked about. It's kind of weird, but kind of interesting. And so uh, just to come back to the question, so do you think this was a strategic play by Google to get everyone talking, buy themselves some more time to actually shoot their proper shot so that when Gemini does come out in a few months, it's a bit more similar to the experience in the demo, or was it just straight up panic from Google? No, I think this was all a strategic play. They knew they were going to get caught on this. They knew somebody would read the fine print. There's just billions of people on top of this kind of stuff. But I, I'm going to play devil's advocate here. You and I are into this space. We like live it, breathe it. We're just on it. But the average person just hears that this went great. They may not have heard of what we're talking about today. They may have never heard, oh, wait, they faked that or was not authentic, however you want to label it. For the average person, they may look at it and be like, oh, yeah, they had a blip. Eh, they don't really know as much details as we're going over today. And you mentioned earlier around Google share price and how it, it went up. I think the exact figure when the Gemini demo video was released is that the share price went up by 5%. Mm -hmm. And 5% in, in a company that is worth $1.7 trillion, I think it equates to something like 80, 90 billion. And so, I mean, after obviously the stock price went down by 1.5%, but still overall up by 3.5, yeah. probably a bit more than that now. Yeah. And so you can't help but think, did some really rich people become even richer in this period. In a profit-driven company, do we expect anything less? Yeah. I'm going to admit that I didn't do this, but I toyed with the idea the minute I saw Gemini was released, I went right onto my computer and I was going to buy some options. 
And then I saw that it wasn't moving at all. And I thought, huh, I guess it's not doing anything. And then hours later, it just jumped. And I thought, man, I missed my window. But then I literally read the news the next day or my friends were calling me and telling me about what we're talking about today. And I thought, oh, good thing I didn't buy it. And then I was waiting to see if there was going to be more of a correction, maybe 10% or something big. And that didn't happen. And I want to say as of today or yesterday, the stock was already back up to where it was from that announcement. Do you think this is a case of fraud? I put that word out strongly, but... Or is it a case of just don't hate the player, hate the game? Oh, man, that's a good one. I don't know. I don't know because you can make the other way, the argument the other way around saying this is just marketing, just like they're pushing for Google. They're just showing another tool. I don't know. Now, I think my answer would be different if we did see a huge stock. I know 5% is a lot, but if we had seen something massive like 20%, I, I think the devil's in the details. My bias is the following. I feel that, and I know I may be getting ahead of myself a little, but I, I really feel that whenever Google uh, releases the next version of this or the, the deeper version or the higher version, rather, I think, I predict that whenever that day happens, within 24 hours, ChatGPT will release either the next update or ChatGPT 5 or something big, just because they, they need to be ahead of them. They need to always show, no, we're actually ahead still. I would love to see when GPT, when OpenAI have have the capabilities of a model similar to Tony Stark's Jarvis to release a demo video in a, the exact style, the exact same style in how Google did it. Yeah, <laughs> just to yeah, just to take the mick a little bit. And so, uh, what's next, and where do we go from here? Ha, ha, have you lost trust in Google? Whatever they release now going forward around generative AI, are you going to be examining with a bit more of a critical eye and be a bit more skeptical? Yes, I am, but at the same time. That you have so much money, resources, power, deep mind, other think tanks, that I think they're gonna produce great results. And I still predict that they will. There will be ChatGPT. Um, it's just that it's just gonna be this AI wars where it's you know watching a car race. One pulls in front of the other, then the next one, and they just keep going back and forth. But um, I think depending on what vertical we're talking about, I think healthcare. I'm biased, and I really think Microsoft is going to own that space in healthcare because of all the other Microsoft products, the ecosystem, what's going on. I think Google will own other verticals in 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 non-healthcare businesses, and we I know we haven't even touched on it, but Apple will be a, a big player with over two billion devices out there. If you have the latest Apple device, it has AI in it. If you have the latest Mac computer, it has AI in it. We're about to see a huge boom here in 2024 in a good way for AI. Yeah, I think Apple is going to be a dark horse because imagine implementing an AI chatbot that is offline on every single phone. I think that is really what it, it has the potential to be this Google killer mm -hmm. because you don't need Wi-Fi. You don't need any service. You could be lost out somewhere in the woods yeah. and just go on to whatever AI chatbot Apple decides to call it and just use it locally on your phone. Or if you want to take a photo locally using your iPhone and ask the AI chatbot, what is this? You won't need to go to Google. You won't need to go to ChatGPT anymore. I think that is the hugest potential mm -hmm. because Apple have that penetration, the market penetration with over, as you said, over 2 billion foes. How many people have some kind of Apple device? Mm -hmm. I think Apple is a dark horse to watch out on. And I'm releasing an in-depth YouTube video actually on Apple's free phase plan to dominate healthcare is interesting. Mm. First, they're working on market penetration with the consumer goods, so wearables, iPhones, 
iPads, MacBooks. The next step is inevitably going to be health insurance. They already have Apple Wallet, Apple Cash, Apple Savings. They're mm. in talks with Goldman Sachs around creating an Apple credit card. I wouldn't be surprised if they started incentivizing healthier habits with providing Apple products. So you can get a credit in the uh, in the iTunes store or they'd give you a, um, a premium on Apple Music. And then the third stage to that would then be Apple setting up in-person clinics, which they already did. They piloted with their employees. They set up patient clinics, but with the whole Apple ambience and vibe. And so I think Apple's gonna be a huge player in the healthcare space. I think they're just moving quickly, but slowly. They're treading their steps carefully. And I think they're a dangerous player to look out for. I agree. As a doctor and you're in healthcare, I'm gonna pose this. I always talk about I'm an ER doctor, putting basic CPR and life-saving LLMs into your phone so that you are off-grid or in the United States in the Grand Canyon or in the middle of the ocean where maybe you may not have access, but now your phone can be your device to help you and save someone so you're not a doctor and walk you through CPR or tell you what to do. So I think that's where we're headed, and I think that's a good thing. I think it'll help humanity. And just on the topic of humanity, I'm excited, actually, for competition i'm excited for the future of ai because competition is a good thing it's gonna each company is gonna push each other to keep leveling up keep maintaining integrity in their products following the responsible and ethical ai frameworks to create ultimately the end goal is an agi to help humanity right yeah i'm gonna put on these glasses these are the meta glasses they transition outside uh, it just said battery 100%. I can pair this to my phone and have ChatGPT. So when you're asking questions, it can hear the questions and it can tell me in my ear what, you're, what I should say back to you. I could take a picture of us right now. I just took a picture. Amazing. And then that picture can be analyzed on my phone. And then through Meta AI, which we haven't talked about, can analyze it and say, oh, that's Harvey Castro. Oh, that's a computer. That monitor costs this much. And in healthcare, imagine being able to use this. One of the things I talk about is ChatGPT4 vision, but there's algorithms out there that the, this camera we're using can tell me what my hemoglobin A1C is, what our average sugar is, what my age is, what my blood pressure is. So that's where we're headed. And these devices is going to make that happen even faster. Yeah, it's exciting. I know Intel labs are working on something extraordinary to, in, in terms of detecting deep fakes where through taking an image, an AI is able to analyze that image and determine the blood flow behind the skin of the image and then determine whether that is an AI-generated image or a real person. <laughs> so it's really exciting stuff. Maybe talk a little bit about Meta because I know they're one of also another dark horse that's working secretly behind the scenes but working on some extraordinary stuff as well. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm really stoked about it, Meta. What they did, which was so smart, is they've been working on this AI model, put millions and millions of dollars, but then literally released it and allows you and I to be able to use this for free. Why do I think this is so important? I'm going to give a quick example. If I'm a diabetic doctor and I want to help, I want to use AI, I could probably get away with using Llama and doing a great job for my patients and put it on my website and create some tools. And here's the beauty. It costs me nothing other than development costs. But the backbone, the API is done, which is Llama. And I'm really excited when I just showed you these glasses because I'm like, wow, in theory, if that exists, then I should in the future be able to create products using these glasses. A simple example is if I'm using the glasses and I'm wanting to lose weight, those glasses can say, okay, this is how many calories your meal is going to be. These kind of things are huge. 
And so I'm just really stoked about what Meta's doing. And then also we have Elon with Grok yeah. working behind the scenes. So Grok, if anyone that doesn't know, is integrated with Twitter. So in real time tracks t- Twitter data, so Twitter or X, and it is able to summarize what people are discussing. And that is a huge competitive advantage. The mm. fact that it has access to the world's news stories in real time and what people are saying, people's different perspectives in real time. Yeah, I got to add to this. So I do a talk on AI and healthcare, and I always talk about Elon Musk. And I, I'm going to add another couple of layers to what you just said. Yes, he's got the life uh, data, which uh, OpenAI has gotten partnership. I forget the name of the, the news company, but they have a partnership that all their news feeds goes directly into their model to try to compete with that. But looking at Elon Musk, I think he literally is a genius. Let's dissect this out and why I think they're gonna, they may end up having the best product at the end of the day. And here's why. You need data. He's got Twitter. You need more data. He's got Tesla. You need quantum computers. If you really want to kill it, he's got quantum computers. Uh, these things are really heavy resource, so it takes a lot of energy to the point where it could cost OpenAI between $700,000 to $800,000 a day to run their servers. And so Elon Musk literally has solar cities where he can power an entire city by himself. So he's got the solar power. And, and then you need advancements. So he's got SpaceX. So he's got information coming in that's just way ahead. Then he made the dream team. He, I believe it was either 10 or 15 AI experts around the world, offered them all $20 million to be part of his board. You put all that together, and that's just a spit in the bucket, Grok. I really think what's to come behind it, it's going to be 10 times better. That's another one that I think we, we need to keep an eye on. Awesome. Thank you, Harvey. It's been my pleasure having you on the podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Thanks for getting to the end of the episode please consider leaving a review on iTunes and subscribing on YouTube. It really helps the channel to grow and means the world to me. Until next time and see you soon.